I hear that song and that line that says, you weren't there when you found me. It takes me back to June of uh, 1980 and a, uh, an altar at a Southern Missouri youth camp when a prodigal who'd been running hard from God finally surrendered to Jesus and he changed my life. That was a week that changed my life forever. Uh, that night he <coughs> saved me and filled me with the Spirit and sometime during that week, I don't know exactly when it happened, he called me to ministry. But by the end of the week, I just knew that I had no choice but to give my life to talk about him to other people. Specifically, at that time, he called me into youth ministry. And I spent over 20 years in youth ministry. But, but by the end of that week, I knew I knew that my school needed Jesus and that I had to do something. And so I, I uh, was called into youth ministry. I was going to a little church that I never even heard of a youth pastor before. Didn't know that was even an option. I just knew I had to do something. And the great thing about the call of God is that it's not just for some time down the road something he wants to do now so I went back and I uh, tell you what I'm just gonna we're just gonna talk a little bit I had this message but I just remember I went back and uh, and I went to a school that was rough it was in, it was, in, it was the drug school in our community um, it was back in the days, some of you some of you remember, some of you don't, but it was back in the days, in the early days of when they started the forced uh, busing. There was a lot of tension. It was a, it was a rough school, uh, and uh, it, was, it was very common to see the police coming in and arresting one of the students and taking him out in handcuffs. It was just that kind of school. It was, uh, I was... When I graduated, I was five foot six and 130 pounds, you know, and so when you're that size, you just learn to keep your mouth shut. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't go and use the restrooms at the school unless I had to because that was, that was a scary and dangerous place to be. And this is a school I'm going back to, and I'm just thinking, my school needs Jesus. But what can I do? And I knew I was called to ministry. And, uh, but right at the very beginning, I saw God begin to do some pretty amazing things. Um, my first night at camp, I'd never been to camp before. That's why, this is one of the reasons why I'm a huge believer in camp. I'd never been to camp. And, uh, I'm just going to share my story with you tonight. I'd never been to camp before, and that first night at camp, um, 
I won't even, I don't even, I won't even take the time to tell you just how I ended up going there other than to say that I had reached a point in my life where, that I never thought I'd be where I was farther than God, from God than I ever thought I could be. And, uh, and I remember my, my mom came to me, which, you know, last week we talked about the power of women praying. I'm, I'm here because I have a mom who fasted and prayed for, for me for over a year that she, she fasted. Instead of having breakfast, she would take that time and pray for me. And she came to me one day and she said, well, you know, pastor mentioned at church today and I, had, I really hadn't been going to church. Um, I got a job and I was uh, working hard there and I was scheduled every Sunday. Uh, I had a crazy schedule as I would, I would go to school. School started at 7.35 in the morning and we got out at 2.20. I had to be at work at 3 every day and work till close till about get home about midnight, do that all through the week. And then Saturday morning, I'd get there and have to be at the, at the it was a fast food restaurant, I had to be, I was assistant manager and uh, had to, he wanted me to open the store. So I had to be there at nine o'clock, work a double shift, close the store, get home at one o'clock in the morning, get up Sunday morning, double shift, nine o'clock in the morning till one o'clock in the morning. And uh, I slept through a lot of classes, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, but, uh, she told me, I, she had been to church, and she said, the pastor mentioned something about youth camp. And then she said, uh, Mark, that's my younger brother, she said, he, he said he would go if you'd go. And, and it was classic, you know, mom twisting the arm, guilt mode. But, but see, the thing was, what she didn't know was that I had, I had reached a point in my life where I knew I had to get right with God. And, and so as she told me that, I thought to myself, this is my chance. This is my opportunity to get where I need to be. And so I told her I'd go, and then I told all my friends my mom was sending me to a camp because I didn't have the guts to actually tell them that I wanted to go. And uh, the speaker that week was David Grant. Anybody ever hear David Grant? He was a missionary to India. Little short guy, probably five five, five six at the most, but just a little bundle of energy. And he preached that camp, and and uh, I, I still have the cassette tapes, uh, which you know I don't think my daughters have ever even seen a cassette tape. Uh, but uh, the the message of the sermon was for on Monday evening was there is a river. The only reason I know that is because I bought the tapes. Because the whole service long, the Spirit of God was dealing with me so severely that all I was thinking was, would you get to the altar call? I've got to get to the altar. I've got to get to the altar. And he finally gave the altar call, and I didn't wait very long, and I ran to the altar. And I gave my life to Jesus, and he filled me with the Spirit. But immediately, I began to pray for my friends because I knew my friends were lost. And I prayed for my friend David and my friend Walter and my friend Tammy and Angie. These were some of my closest friends, co-workers. And, uh, and, I, and I prayed in the Spirit as he filled me. I prayed in the Spirit all night long till 
you know, you get out and you go to the snack shack, you know, get your burger and all this stuff. But I, I, I didn't do that. I prayed till about one o'clock or so that morning. And I was praying in the spirit in tongues, but in my mind, I was praying for my friends. And the next night I went to the altar. It was the same thing where he just began to move in my life. And I began to pray for my friends and just pleading and saying, oh, God, save them. Oh, God, save them. Went back Wednesday night to service. Same thing. I just began to weep and pray and saying, oh, God, save my friends, save my friends, save my friends. And was there till one or two o'clock in the morning again. Thursday night rolled around at camp. And um, I was praying and praying and saying, oh, God, save my friends. And it was one of those moments where I heard God speak. And uh, I've said it before, I used a little joke. Somebody says, was it an audible voice? I say, no, it was much louder than that. But as I was praying, I heard the voice of the Lord say, I've given you their souls. And the release came. You know, we, we've, we talked some, a little bit, mentioned last week, this whole idea of praying through. This is what I'm talking about where you just don't let go of the horns of the altar. You keep praying and keep pressing in until that release comes. And I knew that. And, I, and that was that, that night. I actually, I thought, I, I began to thank him. And then next thing I knew, I was, the burden was gone. And I, I got to go get a hamburger that night. And then I, you know, we came home on Friday. And, and here's what I know. Whenever the Lord starts to do something in your life, uh, when he's trying to do something great, uh, the enemy is not going to let you go easily. He's going to fight for you. And, uh, and I got home and uh, I, I called my, my mom at the house to tell her we were back. You can come pick me up. And she said, oh, well, your, your brother has something to, to, to say to you. And so he got on the phone. And every year in Kansas City, where I grew up, they had this big thing called Summer Jam in Arrowhead Stadium, you know, massive arena, uh, not arena, stadium. And all these multiple huge name rock bands would come and they'd do this, this, this once a year unbelievable concert and it was the place to go not only for the concerts but to but to party and I remember my brother got on the phone and he said he said hey we we bought we got you a ticket for for summer jam and in now something in me well that's not all he said he said also he said and we set up a date with this girl that they knew that I had a crush on that I've been wanting to go out with, who was, my, let's just say she was far from being a Christian. And I remember uh, something in me, the flesh said, yeah, let's go for it. But then the spirit of God rose up and said, that's not what I want anymore. And so I told my brother, I said, well, I, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to go. I didn't condemn them or anything. I just said, I don't want to go. My mom picked me up took me home and uh, they were supposed to have already left to go to this concert, but they were still there. And uh, my best friend, David Hollifter, uh, he, 
he came to me and he's and, and they, they had stuck around because they were trying to going to talk me into going. And uh, and I said, I, by that time, you know, the Lord had really reinforced enforced it in me. And I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. So they went out the car to leave. Next thing I know, he, he comes back in the house and he says, can I can I just talk to you alone for a minute? I said, sure. So we went up to my bedroom. This is one of the young men that I've been praying for this whole week. And uh, I stood in the room. He was closer. He stood across the room closer than what Pastor Jason is to me right now. And he looked at me. He just he, later he told me that he was convinced that I had been brainwashed at the camp. Um, but he looked at me and he said, I just want to know one thing. I said, what's that? He said, are you happy? And I said, through tears, I said, David, I have never been happier my entire life. He said, that's all I want to know. And he left and they went to the concert and they had the worst time they ever had in their life. <laughs> and I think that was the Lord too. And the next morning, Saturday morning, he called me and, uh, he said, uh, I have to go to work. He worked at the same place, uh, and uh, and uh, I'm going to be coming by your house. Can can I just come early, and maybe we could sit and talk for a few minutes? I said, sure. And I told my mom, I got my mom, and I said, hey, he's coming. Would you pray with me? Because uh, I, I want to, you know, this may be my chance to talk with him about Jesus. And, and so we prayed, and he showed up, and we sat out on the porch, on the porch swing, and uh the conversation started, and I was thinking to myself, okay, how can I, how can I uh, invite him to church? What can I do to invite him to church? But before I had a chance to invite him to church, he spoke up and he said, would it be all right if I went to church with you tomorrow morning? <laughs> and I said, uh, sure, that'd be fine. And so he invited himself to church. Uh, this is just the power of the Spirit when you begin to pray. And... And so the next morning, uh, we, we went to church, but we, we went to a church that was, that was not my normal home church. We went one closer. There was some, some weird things going on at my home church. And so we were thinking about maybe there was one that was like seven blocks away. We were thinking about that. Well, we went there, and it was a disaster only because it was that pastor's last Sunday, and he was heading out for the mission field. So, you know, there was no altar call, nothing like that, you know. And so anyway, I said, well, listen, we're, tonight we're going to be going to our regular church. Do you want to come? He said, sure. And that afternoon I, I called my pastor and I told him, I said, I have, I have some, he wasn't the only one. By that time I had invited uh, three of my other friends from work and they were all coming to church that Sunday night with me. And I called my pastor and said, I got some friends coming. Would you pray with me? And my pastor prayed with me over the phone for my friends who were coming to church. And that night he preached, and I don't know what he preached. I do know this. He just would not close that altar call because God was dealing with these, with these friends of mine. And the altar call kept going on and on and on. And I, I looked, and my, my friend David, he was standing next to me. And then there, was, uh, there were two others. There was a, a girl named Tammy, and then there was my, my friend Walter. And David was standing there. And he was gripping the front of that, the back of the pew in front of him so hard his knuckles were white. I mean, he was almost shaking. He was gripping it so hard. And so I, I kind of leaned over to him. I said, I said, David, if you'd like to go forward to the altar to ask Jesus in your heart, I'll go with you. 
He paused for a second. He said, yeah. And he stepped out in the aisle. And I thought, he'll wait there for me. He didn't. He just took off like a shot. And then I, then I moved to Tammy. And I said, Tammy, if you'd like to go to the altar, I'll go with you. She said, yeah. And then I went to Walter. I said, Walter, if you'd like to go to the altar, I'll go with you. He said, yeah. I'm still amazed. On Thursday night, he said, I'm giving you my, their souls. By Sunday evening, they're all children of God. And uh, David was my roommate my freshman year in college. Is in ministry today. I, I honestly don't know where Tammy is. Their family moved and I lost track of them. But Walter and his family are serving the Lord strong. Love the Lord with all their hearts. And, and uh, God did something really powerful. And that was the beginning of it. I kind of backed up a little bit because I knew I'd been called into, into ministry, that I had to do something to reach my generation. And I didn't know what to do. And I went to the school that I, that I mentioned earlier that I was scared of everybody. And I thought, how in the world... Can a little insignificant nothing, a nobody, a nobody, what can I do? I'm not kidding you. Listen, it was a school, my graduating class was over 600. This is a, there was a lot of students in this school. And if you would go to most of my teachers and say, is David Hoskins in your class? They would say, I don't know who that is. So I thought, what can I do? But I knew I had to do something. So I thought to myself, well, at least what I can do is I can carry my Bible to school. And so I, uh, I decided I was going to do that. And the first day of school, I carried it in. And now my Bible at that time, it was a full-size Bible, red cover. You know, it's not, nothing subtle about it. Um, and, it was, and I would carry it to class every day. But, but the funny thing was it was just smaller than all my textbooks. So it always sat it right on top. You know, I think God planned that Bible that way. But I remember the first day of school, the way, the way they did it at my high school was um, they didn't assign you a locker during homeroom. The first day of school, you would find a locker, you'd put your lock on it, and then you would report your locker number to your teacher in homeroom. And it was, and so... I remember the first day I went and found a, uh, on the first floor, there's a locker open on the very end of the hallway. And I got to that locker and was putting my, my stuff in the locker and going to put the lock on it. And I remember thinking to myself, I was so scared. I was so scared carrying that Bible in that school. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what anybody was going to do. I didn't know how they were going to react. And I remember, I remember holding that Bible in my hand and and on the top shelf, I started to lay it down, and I thought to myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. But before I could let it down, that's, that's the second time God spoke um, in a very powerful way. Because before I could let go, he said, if you don't do it, who will? Boy, if that's not a lesson for all of us. Sometimes there's work that needs to be done. There are people that need to hear about Jesus. And, and what we end up doing, we end up not doing anything because we're hoping somebody else does it. 
And when God's dealing with us, he's saying, I want you to do this. I want you to tell your neighbors about Jesus. I want you to tell your family about Jesus. I think sometimes we need to remember that question. If I don't do it, who will? So anyway, I took the Bible back down from the shelf and carried it to class every day that year. And I heard about a group. There was a group in Kansas City. It was Kansas City Youth for Christ. It was different than the Youth for Christ International, but it was a large organization there and they they would form clubs in the schools now back in those days it was before the supreme court said you could have uh, uh, clubs like that in the school and and so you had to do it after hours and and so anyway i heard about this and learned about it and i thought i thought okay you know what we can start a youth for christ club in my school i don't know if anybody will be there besides me but we can do this and uh, and but we needed a sponsor and so i went to my parents and i said I said, would you do this? And they, they jumped all over. They said, you bet, we're, we're on this. And they became the official sponsors because you had to have an adult sponsor. And uh, so we started that, that little, that Youth for Christ club in my high school, Van Horn High School in the Kansas City, Missouri area. And not knowing if it would fly, not knowing what would happen. And all of a sudden I started meeting other kids that were Christian. We, we would meet in a home off campus once a, once a week. We'd sing a little few songs. We'd, we'd pray together. We'd have a, a message. But, but listen, uh, I'm going to give you a very, very conservative estimate of what God did because I don't have the numbers. But I really believe it was more than this. But I do, I do know my senior year in high school, through a, an insignificant little nobody who was willing to say, Lord, if I don't do it, nobody will, so I'll do what you're asking me to do. I know that there were at least 40 students who got saved that year. And, and then they started going to church with me. And all of a sudden we had a youth group and I'm sort of a youth pastor and I don't even know what that means. And uh, it, we had a lot of fun. We, you know, I'd go pick them all up. I had this 62 Ford Country Squire station wagon. And back that was, that was before seatbelt laws. And so they would just all pile in the back. And, you know, we'd be slide, they'd be sliding around everywhere. And I'd go round them up all over the place and pick them up, you know, an hour and a half before church we'd start and, and, and get them all to church. And we would, and, and we did that three or four times a week. But... You know, I guess all I'm saying is that when we, when we hear what God is trying to say to us and we actually respond in obedience, there is no limit to what he can do. Because listen, I, uh, I wish you could see a picture of me in high school. Picture it like this. If you work, look up the word nerd in the dictionary, my picture's next to it, all right? I mean, I was, as bad. I was, I mean, I didn't have a date in high school because there was no girl that was going to go anywhere near, near me. I mean, I was just, like I said, I was skinny, I was scrawny, I was nobody. Uh, nobody knew who I was. But you know what I've learned over the years? If there's anything I know about God, I've learned this, and I see it all throughout Scripture over and over and over and over and over again. 
And that is that we serve a God who loves to use nobodies. He loves to take nothings and do great things through them. And the reason for that is because when a nothing and a nobody does something great for God, everybody looks around and says, well, that had to be God. And anybody that knew me looking at my high school and what God did during that, my senior year in high school, everybody that knew me would look at, you, look at you in the eye and say, well, this I know, that had to be God. Because it wasn't his charisma, it wasn't his personality, it wasn't his leadership ability, it wasn't anything other than that was the call of God. And you know, and I've got to find a place to land this. <laughs> uh, just Maybe this is just a little getting to, know, getting to know your pastor a little bit tonight. But um, oh, when, as years go by in our lives, it's easy, it's really easy to lose touch with the power of that moment when God grabs a hold of us. And it's something we have to fight for. To remember why we do what we do. To remember what really is important. You know, church fights and church splits and that sort of thing, it's because God's people lose touch with the reality of what he did in their lives, and they begin to grab hold of things that don't matter because that's what splits us. That's what causes fractures in the, in the body. So I guess tonight, if there's anything, it would be just to challenge you, just to say, Lord, I don't want to live in the past, but I don't want to forget it either. He over and over in Scripture said, remember, remember, remember the works of the Lord your God. Remember. He even had them build memorials, the, the children of Israel. Often they built memorials to remember what God did. And, and maybe sometimes in our lives we need to build that, not as a place to go back and worship and, and say, this is how it must always be, but to remember what he did then and to realize that if he did it then, he can still do it now. And that even though he's saying, if he said to you, to, to me back then, I'm going to do something here with you, that now when he says, I want to do this with you now, that I can go back to that and say, if God could use me then, he can still use me now. So I guess the challenge tonight is, would you go back? Would you go back? Those moments, those significant moments. Everybody in this room has had those significant moments with the Spirit of God. You know, whether it was His call on your life in children's ministry or, or whether it was an, a camp experience or or whether it was around these very altars, or it was in another church, or wherever it was, or whatever he did, go back and remember. Go back and remember. Don't forget the power of the Lord that has been at work in you, and then remember this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You know, God's called us, to Marion. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I hadn't before we called us here, I had no idea where Marion was. 
you know. But he called us here for a reason. And he's called you here for a reason. And, and what, he has, what he has done in the past, we, grow, we are encouraged by. But we also reminded by that, that he wants to do something even greater. So tonight, remember. Remember where he brought you from. Some of you probably have stories, testimonies, where God has brought you out of great darkness. Others have testimonies that I want my girls to have. I was raised in church, never walked away from church. I've served God my whole life. It's my sister's testimony. I'm so jealous of her. But whatever it is, remember. Remember what he's done. Don't ever lose sight of that. Keep that fresh, whatever it takes. Because it's in that place where we, for lack of a better way to say it, it's in that place where we stay broken in his presence. Because he uses broken things. So, so let's let ourselves be broken in his presence, remembering what he has done. Recounting that old song, Count Your Blessings. And let's remember. Amen. I'm going to pray with you. Lord, Lord, I, I believe that you have directed this evening. This is not anything that what we envisioned or what we thought was going to happen. but.